you get to hear a lot from me as I, as I preach, and you get to hear a lot from Matthew as he leads uh, music most weeks. But we have a number of other pastors who uh, some of you know and some of you don't know who have a significant ministry and probably even impact uh, your experience of our church in ways that you don't necessarily realize. And so we're going we're gonna to take kind of an extended time to do a God story of what has God been doing in the lives and ministries of some of our other pastors. And so would you welcome up uh, a number of these guys? Come on up, guys. Good-looking bunch, almost all in plaid. That's like the official dress code. Oh, we got some chucks there, too. That's good. That's part of the deal, I think. Um, so let me make some introductions here. Um, on my far left is Dale Thakra. Dale's the pastor of counseling and compassion and care, anything that starts with a C, he's in charge of. And, uh, and then right here is Josh Watt. He leads our student ministry. Uh, many of you hear him preach from time to time and have been blessed by that. Uh, directly to my right here is Mark Andrus. He's our Redemption Kids pastor, oversees all the ministry that happens birth through fifth grade. And then on far right is John Cronwald, the dashing John Cronwald. And uh, he leads our Redemption Communities ministry, which is kind of our small groups that meet uh, scattered in homes throughout the week. So um, I, had, I, I had asked these guys just to kind of reflect on how has God worked in their lives this year? How has God worked in, in their ministries this year? And to be able to just kind of celebrate that together and to be able to maybe let you in on some aspects of the church you didn't necessarily know about. So let me start with Dale. Uh, Dale, how have you seen God at work in your life this year? I know it's a big question, but just if you were to point to some evidence of, of God's grace, what would you point to? Sure. Um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I was up here for the beginning of Advent, and I briefly shared that I <clears throat> had suffered a pretty significant back injury and have been kind of working through that and what that meant, um, kind of processing how I was going to do things. And um, so as I look back over, the, over 2014, the one thing God taught me is that it's, it's great to have a heart for service, but it's also important to be served. And I've experienced that not only here at the church where these guys have come around me and really served me, and taking care of me, but at home especially. My wife has stepped into um, a position and a role that uh, I think is a little surprising to her. You know, we're, we're still young, kind of, you know, and she's, she's serving me in ways that um, <clears throat> maybe she thought she'd have to do in our later years, but she's mm. stepping up now. Yeah. And that, that's been hard for me. It's been a, it's been a check to my pride, frankly, yeah. that um, I'm, I'm somebody who loves to serve and serve others, but to actually be served is, has been humbling. Yeah. Well, your ministry in, in terms of biblical counseling is often meeting with someone individually or with a couple. You also oversee our Exodus group ministry, which does um, kind of creates a safe place to talk about hard to talk about things and uh, kind of push the, the good news of Christ into those situations. Um, so as you kind of look back, how do you see God work through that? I, this is, you guys might argue this, I think I have the best job on staff. Um, I'm in the trenches for sure, day to day, working with people, and I have a team also that works with people who are struggling believing the gospel is true in certain areas of their life, either through marriage, a personal struggle, pornography, drugs, alcohol. All of us have areas of our life where we don't believe the gospel is true. And as I look back over the last year, there's been many, many, many moments where the church, the body, has had the aha moment that yeah. that's right, the gospel's true. Mm. I can believe that Jesus is better yeah. than doing this. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Mark, what about for you? You're leading our kids' ministry, 
and you've had some changes in your life, even contributing another addition to the kids' ministry. So what, what is you just, for you personally, your own personal life, how's, how's God been working? Yeah, so like he said, we, uh, we are continuing to make our own contributions to kids' ministry, guaranteeing that I, at least for now, continue to have a job. Um, and we have three kids. Uh, our, our first one uh, was a lot of just really hairy, scary stuff at the beginning. We almost lost her. She was in the hospital for a couple weeks. And uh, with, our, with our second child, he was in the hospital a couple extra days with just some surprises and things we weren't expecting. And so all throughout... Um, the pregnancy with our third, we were just praying um, just for everything to be normal, whatever normal looks like, and, and not painless because we know that's not a possibility. But, um, but we're just praying, God, could we, could we just get through this and, and not have any surprises, not have any scares, not have any you know, fears arise, and just be able to, to go home in the right amount of time and just enjoy that transition with our family. And God didn't have to answer that prayer, but uh, we took that prayer to him just going, hey, you're a good dad who likes to give good gifts to his children. When we ask for, a, you know, for bread, doesn't give us a stone. And so we made that request, and God was gracious in, in just allowing a really smooth delivery. We were only there a couple of days. We were able to get home home, no surprises, you know, just kind of what we we're exactly hoping yeah. for. And so that was uh, just re- God really given grace and mercy to us in a really clear way. Well, especially when you go from two to three, that's a really nice place to have some grace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've uh, being outnumbered is intriguing and uh, well, Sophie's constant learning three. Yeah. She just turned three. So we have when, when our God third was born, you. we had three kids under three because we're smart. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, but we're, we're doing good and, and it's just been, there's been a lot of challenges just with, with having kids and, yeah. um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, you know, really pushing and challenging and growing me and my wife in our, in our patience with our kids, with each other. But, um, it's been, it's been really good and God's just been really gracious yeah. in, in a lot of that. So as you think about our kids ministry, you know, there are close to 300 kids, sometimes more than 300 kids every Sunday that are here, birth through fifth grade. How do you see God working there? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. We have, like he said, a ton of kids uh, on any given Sunday, and we hit a point um, about a year and a half ago where I'm just sitting here going, I, I can't oversee all this myself, and so I um, began to pray and put it out there for for some people to who would be interested in coming kind of into a leadership position within kids on a on a volunteer basis for now, and uh, God has really blessed um, not just me, but the church as a whole with four really good leaders in our kids' ministry. We've got three coordinators that oversee our, our nursery, um, preschool and childhood, and, uh, and excuse me, elementary environments, and then another just kind of administrative assistant who's come alongside me and done all the things well that I do terribly. And uh, God just really... I think, I think they're working you out of a job. That's what's eventually probably going to happen because... <laughs> They're all better at each one of their roles than I could have been doing any one of them, and especially me doing all that stuff by myself. They've, yeah. they've not just taken things off of my plate and freed me up to, to really work more in some of the gifting that God has given me, but, but they've taken each one of their individual areas of ministry and really caused them to flourish. Yeah. Uh, I think that... Well, to encourage you, I, I feel like that's a mark of humility. That's a mark of leadership to go, I'm gonna, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room on everything, and I'm going to get some people around me and... Especially when I think about Shelly and what she's done with the two-year-olds. The two-year-old class is always full, and it's hot. it takes a lot of energy to work in that two-year-old class. And it was the highest turnover mm-hmm. class for a long time. 
and she's really brought some things where we're retaining people that are loving serving with those kids and yeah so yeah we really we really want our volunteers to enjoy what they're doing and have yeah. fun doing it and see the the long-term value and not just providing childcare, but getting investing in kids yeah. from an early age all the way along through till we send them over to, to Josh and his team with students. And, and those coordinators have just done a great job in, in making our environments better and making the teachers' jobs easier, freeing them up to have more fun, which we've seen in the, the highest retention rate ever in volunteers who are going, I love what I'm doing, I just want to keep doing it. And so that's just been a huge yeah. blessing for us. I love walking those halls or picking my kids up and seeing the men in the classroom. And uh, that's significant. I mean, the dynamic of those rooms changes when there's a man in there. And I know as a guy, I, like, just like you said, I don't want to do child care, but I want to invest in relationships with kids. And for a number of kids, that, that may be the only male that they, the only man they interact with, maybe the only godly man they interact with on a weekly basis. And, and so, guys, th- for those of you that serve, that, that, makes, a big, that makes a big difference. So, yeah. Mark, thanks for your leadership in that. Um, so you, you talk about transitioning to Josh. Let's do that. So Josh leads our student ministry. Um, before we get to that, though, what, where do you see God at work for you personally? Yeah, just personally, it's a sweet season. Uh, probably a week ago, I was sitting there drinking eggnog out of mason jars with my older boys, and Aubrey looked at me and said, are you just in heaven right now? And I said, <laughs> just about. And then Christmas Day, my oldest son got to open his first gift, and it was a gun, so now I'm really in heaven. I've got... <laughs> like a real gun? Uh, it's a BB gun, but he oh, could okay. hurt something. Yeah. So f- Has he shot his brother yet? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. He's, he's pointed it at his brother, which wasn't good. So, um, so not quite heaven. Yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So, like personally, I mean, God's just been really sweet to me. I don't know any other way to say it. He's. I've always wanted a family, and He's given me boys and a wife who's amazing. So life's mm. really good right now, and I know it's not always going to be that way. So I just want to soak it up. Mm. Um, Spiritually, God's kind of simplified stuff for me in a, in a big way. I teach and preach a lot, and I'm always thinking through illustrations and reading books and trying to fill my brain with stuff. And um, just reading through the Bible, and specifically John, the beginning says Jesus is the Word of God. And then James is a very practical book. It says, don't be hearers of the Word, but be doers. And I feel like over this past year, God's really shown me, like, you're supposed to go to my Word, and it's supposed to do something to you, and you're supposed to do something with it. Don't make it this big theological thing every time. Like if it says, give your brother a drink, give your brother a drink. If it says, listen to your wife, listen. Like it's simple. You don't have to church it up there. What? Like calm down and, you know, bring it home. So just a good like clarifying season for me. Uh, Ministry wise, students has been fun. It's we were, we originally met in the lobby, then we got too big for the lobby, we went to room 11, then we got too big for there. And now we're actually meeting here in the box on Sundays. So, um, on numbers on Wednesdays. I mean Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, so we're growing. I mean, and just as Luke asked us this question, reflect back. There's a few things that I'm especially thankful for. It's a we kind of do a mini church service, but the big thing what we do is small groups with mentors, and we have amazing men in our ministry. For some reason, we've always had way more guys than gals. We have really great gals too, but the men are just men who love Jesus. So if you have a boy who's going to come to our ministry, uh, he's going to be surrounded by men who love Jesus and could beat up your young son if that, that needs to be done. So <clears throat> God's just been... So you're saying that's like, is, do people have to pay extra to... Yeah. It's, <laughs> to it's come close. If you, Mom asked me one time at camp, she said, you have the green light if this needs to happen. <laughs> so, which is good. Boys, Let me, let me need, call my attorney yeah. before I exercise that option. 
Well, it's good. I mean, boys need to be confronted a lot, like yeah. with men bigger than them who love Jesus more than them and tell them there's a better way to live life. So yeah. we have that in place. Um, other thing, just kind of it's ministry leader, you look back and you nitpick a lot, not people, but just kind of systems. And I've been trying to celebrate smaller things. Our smaller people, our sixth and seventh and eighth grade people, our students do an amazing job of inviting their friends, and especially their friends who have never been to church before. So we have a ministry where the young people who have come out of kids' ministry and now under my ministry love church. They might not love Jesus or trust him yet fully and not even know what that means, but they love church and they love bringing friends. So that's been exciting. That's great. Um, and keep talking. One more. Yeah. He's Another, a preacher. You yeah. get a microphone and he can't stop. <laughs> One more, just kind of a picture of the whole church, what God's doing here. We had a, a young girl get saved and get baptized. She was invited by friends, came to camp, got saved. She's probably in this room. She usually sits over. I don't want to point her out, but she got saved. <laughs> Amazing. A mentor walked her through that. She accepted Christ. Her mom's been coming. Her mom recently got saved. They've been inviting family members, like, and they just love church. They love Jesus, and it all happened because a few faithful people said, hey, you want to come to church with us? You want to come to camp with us? Right. And God pounced on them, and now they're new people in Christ. So it's just amazing yeah. to watch. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Cool. Well, last but not least, John, uh, how's, how's God been at work in you? I know he's been teaching you some big lessons about trusting him, and what, yeah, what have you seen? Yeah, the, uh, a lot like some of these other guys, this has just been a real sweet year and really enjoying it, but... Um, it's interesting as a pastor and you're discipling a lot of people, you're often telling people, hey, you need to trust God in these areas. You need to trust God in this. And there's several times this year even when, when there was just some big challenges that I'm facing uh, with these guys going, how are you trusting God with this? And I'm going, oh, that's, a, that's a great question. What, and what were some of those things that you um, needed to A, a trust good example is, is with our Redemption Communities Ministry, our small groups, we had... Uh, we were, we were trekking along pretty great last spring. The, the ministry was growing. We, were, we had a bunch of plans going into this new year of things we wanted to change, ways we were going we were gonna to grow it. And uh, systematically, um, for all legitimate reasons, we had 10 of our leaders over the, over the summer have to step out of leading a small group, just a bunch of them moving away or stepping into other ministry roles within our church. And so it was, so it was plan, one of those... The plans got... <laughs> It was one of those oh, things, yeah, yeah. where I, I, I just had to trust the Lord that yeah. he was going to continue to raise up new leaders. We have this need. Um, and uh, and in, a, in a way that I often am telling other, other guys, going, hey, you need to trust God in this. How are you praying that God would increase um, this or that in your life that you're, that you're looking for? And in that specific way with our leaders of going, God, you're going to have to bring leaders. Yeah. And, and it was neat to see guys that I'm sitting across from at a coffee shop that are saying, Hey, I'd like to lead. I've been yeah. praying about this a long time, and I'm going. I, I have too. Yeah. And so, so, so you so you found like as you trusted God, God came through. Yeah, and, and what that incre what what was great about that is is I've been around ministry long enough to you you kind of play the game. You, you if you've been in church, you grew up church. You you, you find that sometimes you come in, you ha you have your seat that you sit in every week. You do your thing, you get out, and uh, and there's there's a sense in which all of a sudden when you have to depend on the Lord for things. Yeah. There's a new sweetness, a new level of worship that isn't experienced any other way, mm. that you see Jesus in, in a fresh new way. And so yeah. this year for me, that's been it. There's a, just a new level of awe, a fresh. Yeah. I really admire Jesus. That's great. And in our redemption communities, those small groups, we've had 
mean, you've, you've helped lead really the replenishing of all those leaders that had to step out, but also multiplication. I mean, it's more than doubled. Yes. Uh, we're celebrating that. What else yeah. would Praise we just God. point to that God has done in, in that ministry? Uh, the, what's, what's been great is seeing a lot of guys coming forward saying, hey, I'd like to help. I'd like to serve. I know you have a need. Plug me in. And over the course of helping them get ready to lead a group where they're coming in thinking, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help others, watching them figure out that same dependence I was just talking about of going, I have to trust the Lord that he's going to work in mm. and through me. Yeah. And uh, seeing, seeing other guys um, on their knees, so to speak, going, God, I, I need you in this area. I need you to grow me. Yeah. has been really sweet as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, hopefully that gives you just a little bit of a snapshot of what God's doing. And uh, it, it's really a joy to be able to work with these guys. And um, there's an interesting dynamic in the church, uh, especially when you work at a church, because you're both co-workers and brothers and sisters in Christ. So, like, we're fellow employees, but we also, like, are family. And so the, the lines between those things, in a, I think, a really kind of sweet way, often blur. <laughs> and you're not sure what exactly that is. But um, I think that you guys, and I, and I think with each other, and I know for me, have been some of the most significant influences in my development and growth this year, and, and I think with each other. So, so thanks for sharing. Let me pray for us. Um, Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, these men. Thank you for their leadership. Uh, Lord, you've called them as pastors to be those who equip the saints for the work of ministry, and nothing they do could be done without everyone else in this room um, uh, doing ministry and loving people and sharing the gospel and inviting friends and all the things that happen. And so, God, thank you for that. God, I pray for these men and their families. I pray you'd bless them in 2015. I pray that they would continue to walk closely with you. I pray that they would always know that, uh, that you love them, not because of their ministry, but um, you love them because of Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. We thank these guys. Thanks, fellas. Yes. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read this, follow along. And as I read, remember, we're reading God's Word. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's God's word. You may be seated. Well, the big question today is what kind of year was 2014? Uh, this is the time of year when we review that. This is the time of year when we talk about those kinds of things broadly in culture, right? You can uh, watch Barbara Walters' uh, Most Interesting People of the Year, and you can read all these best-of lists of books or movies or whatever it is. But what we're going to do today is, is just take some time to ask that question. What kind of year was 2014? Now, this is a, a, a self examination kind of message. And it's, it's going to be a little different than what we would typically do where we'd have just one passage of Scripture and sort of teach through it. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, a number of questions that are going to help us really evaluate uh, this year. Um, this is an exercise that I've done for a number of years. I had a pastor at the church that I used to work at that would, that would go through a, a series of questions like this, and I always found it helpful and encouraging to reflect and to think. Now, the, the, the challenge with self-reflection is a couple things. First, 
Uh, well, they're, and they're, they're really related. Uh, first is we, we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. So that becomes challenging in self-evaluation because we often give ourselves the benefit of the doubt um, because, well, I meant to or I intended to or I wanted to, and, and, and so we have to be, be careful of that. But the other thing that's, that's tricky, and, and the prophet Jeremiah talks about the deceitfulness of the heart, who can know it, is we don't always see things clearly, and we have blind spots, and there are areas that we think we're strong in that we're actually weak, and there are areas that we're weak, uh, that we think we're, we're weak in that we're actually strong in. And so this self-evaluation needs to have uh, both a component of you sort of just thinking about it yourself, but it may also mean seeking some input. And some of the questions that I'm going to give you, you may need to ask some friends or family over lunch today or uh, sometime soon to go, hey, where do you, what do you think about this question? How do you see that in my life? And I would invite just the humility. I'd encourage you to invite that kind of uh, input into your life. Have the humility uh, to do that, and I think you'll benefit a lot from it. Well, here's a list of some kind of normal evaluation questions. These are things that people might just very naturally think of when evaluating what kind of a year did I have. Uh, first one, did I make more money? People would think, oh, if I made more money, it was a, it was a good year. Uh, second, did I acquire more things? Now, the, these are, you don't necessarily have to have more money to have more things, right? Because of credit and uh, no payments until 2018, and, right? I mean, you, so you can, you can acquire more things and not necessarily have made more money. And if you acquired more things, maybe, maybe you'd think you had a good year. Another question, did I enhance my career? Am I closer to my sweet spot? Have I, have I been promoted? Am I doing the kind of work that I want to do? Those kinds of things. You could ask, do my friends think more highly of me? Right? Did I, did, did I become more impressive to the people that are around me? Do they see me and hold me in higher esteem? That might be a question you'd ask. You might ask also, how's my health? How's my health compared to last year? Am I in better shape? Am I heavier? Am I more toned? Am I, you know, where am I and all that sort of stuff? So, so these are sort of normal, typical evaluation questions. I think these are perfectly fine questions to ask. I don't have any problem with them. I think these questions definitely impact your life, right? If you made $50,000 last year and $20,000 this year, you, you had a significant change in your life. Right? And that impacted you in very real ways. If you were healthy last year and this year you experienced some difficult health challenges, that changes things, that impacts things, and that impacts how, how your year went. So, so, so I don't want to dismiss these, but I think these are kind of tend to be fairly superficial sort of questions. And so what I want to do is I want to give us four, I think, better or deeper kinds of questions to help you think through uh, what kind of a year was 2014? Especially if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, uh, then these questions will be particularly uh, helpful for you. So here's the first one. Did Jesus become an even more precious treasure to you? Did Jesus become an even more precious treasure? Jesus is a treasure. He is the pearl of great price. He, he, in fact, says, Jesus says in his ministry that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure hidden in a field. And in his joy, he sold everything that he had and he bought that field. 
Jesus is not uh, just someone we sort of tack on to our life to go, oh, he'll make my life better. He's the treasure that we allow all of our life to be reoriented around. Josh Watt used this illustration a few weeks ago in his sermon, the idea that everybody's life orbits around something. And the, the desire for Christians is that our lives would orbit around Jesus, that he would be the center of our life and that he would have the gravitational pull that reorders everything else in our lives. Now the verse that I think is, is important to kind of think through this is the one that we just read a moment ago from Philippians chapter 3. Just before this, the Apostle Paul has been listing out kind of his spiritual resume that he was the, a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. If you were going to kind of follow religious Jewish rules, he was kicking everybody's butt. And then he comes along and he says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else, I, it's loss. He says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The old King James Version says, dung. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Do you get what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, I had everything going for me. I was totally impressive. It wasn't perfect, but I was impressive. And I consider that garbage compared to the surpassing worth treasure of knowing Jesus. Jesus is my treasure. Jesus is who my life orbits around. And everything else doesn't matter compared to that, the Apostle Paul says. He says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, how does that happen, Paul? Here you go. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, before, when I had all my religious accolades, when I was you know, on the who's who of Jewish you know, guys, that was, that was a righteousness, a reputation that depended on me. Depended on my ability to keep God's law, to keep the rules. But now that Christ has come, I have a righteousness that doesn't depend on me. It's from God. It's an external foreign righteousness that's been credited to me. Where God now sees me as holy and righteous and blameless. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. And because Jesus has given me a perfection that I could never have attained on my own, He's my treasure. My life orbits around him. So, did Jesus become an even more precious treasure to you this year? Well, how do you know? Think about the things you treasure. How do you, how do you, how do you know if you treasure something? Well, typically the things we treasure, we invest money in. So our money reflects that. When we treasure something, we dream about it. We think about it. It's on our mind. We sort of get excited and even kind of get distracted sometimes with other things when we're doing other things because we're so interested in it. When we treasure something, we plan for it. We make, we make plans. We make arrangements. We give thought to it. When we, when we treasure something, we, we hope in it, right? Like some, sometimes there's just this, like, you're, you're living for the next vacation, and it's scheduled, and you're going, it's, it's coming, it's coming. And you hope for it, and you kind of plan for it, and everything kind of you know, gets, gets orbited around that. And that, those things are okay. But, but here's the question. Did Jesus become that treasure for you? 
even more this year. Or you are more generous. You are more excited about Him. You are more thankful for His grace in your life. You are more aware of the sin that He had forgiven. You are more eager to go to Him. Not just believing in Jesus, but treasuring Jesus. Do you get that difference? I ask people, I used to ask people, do you believe in Jesus? I don't ask that anymore. I say, do you treasure Jesus? You can believe that he was a real person. You can believe that he died on the cross. You can believe that he was born of a virgin, right? Everyone celebrates Christmas. Yeah, we believe in Jesus, but people don't treasure him necessarily. Did you treasure Jesus more this year? Either because of what you experienced in his word or what you experienced in your life. If you grew if Jesus became a more precious treasure to you, then you had a good year. Here's a second question to evaluate. Did your personal relationship with God grow closer? Your personal relationship with God grow closer. Now, now listen, on the surface, these sound like the same question. Did you treasure Jesus more? Did your relationship with God grow closer? On the surface, they seem the same, but they're not the same. Because you can treasure something that you don't necessarily have a relationship with, right? So the treasure question is, is what do you value? What do you esteem? What do you adore? The relationship question is, does your personal relationship with God grow closer, right? So, So just to understand that difference, a soldier who goes off to a deployment treasures his wife back home in a way that maybe he didn't before because he goes, wow, I had no idea how much she meant to me. And yet, that personal relationship, because of the distance, just can't be as close, right? So you get the difference. So here's a a verse to, to look at for this particular idea. This comes from the Psalms. In Psalm 73, it says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What I think is interesting about this, especially when you line it up with Philippians 3. Philippians 3, uh, Paul's saying, Jesus is my treasure. Psalm 73 is saying, God, you are my treasure. Now, these aren't the same passage, same author, so I'm not being picky. But you can sort of admire God, and then you can relate to him. And So this question is, did you grow closer in your relationship with God, your personal relationship? So if you were to take out what happens on a Sunday morning and kind of the energy and momentum of a full room and good music and motivational preaching, if you take that out, you take out maybe what you listen to on a podcast or you watch online, you you take out maybe what happens in a small group and you just go, when I'm personally alone with God, maybe the first thing to say is, do you ever have a moment like that? part of your life? It should be. Otherwise, you're just admiring God from afar when because of Jesus, He invites you to get close. And so, maybe you spend time with God. Maybe you have regular time with God. Is it getting closer? Is it getting deeper? Would you be able to say with the psalmist, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you're the strength of my heart. You're my portion forever. One of the places I think this is most revealed is as it relates to prayer. So let me ask this. When you pray, 
What a wonderful thing, isn't it, that we can pray anytime? I talk to people who go, oh, I pray all the time. I pray in the car. I pray when I brush my teeth. I pray in the shower. It's all. And that's wonderful that we can do that. But I hope you have some time in your life when it's just praying. You're not multitasking prayer. And when, when that happens, here, here's the question. Has that prayer this year gotten warmer? Gotten closer? Gotten something that you anticipate more spending that time with God? If it is, you had a good year. This is an area that I'm being challenged in significantly, and I feel like I've started to grow a bit towards the end of this year, and one of my big prayers for this next year is that my personal relationship with God would grow closer, that my prayer times would be much more, um, much warmer and bolder. A book that's really helped me uh, get started in that is a book by Tim Keller uh, called Prayer, Experiencing On Intimacy with God. It's a fantastic book. Listen, if you can only read one book in 2015, read the Bible, okay? If you can read two books, read the Bible and read this. Um, and especially if you're trying to figure out, if you're going personal relationship with God, what are you talking about, time with God, here's kind of the idea. If you, if you said, hey, in 2015, one of the things I'm going to try to do is spend 10 to 15 minutes a day alone with God. How do I get started? What do I do? How does that work? What? This book will help with that. It'll help you see the relationship between the Scripture and prayer, and, and not just in a way that sort of heaps guilt on you, but actually motivates you to want to spend time, personal time, with God. One of the things that challenged me in this book is a story that, that uh, Keller talks about. He says, I wasn't always very uh, committed to prayer, really, and I've grown a lot in it. And one of the things that helped him was his wife, Kathy, came to him one time. They were just going through a lot in their life, and they were struggling to pray on a consistent basis. And she said, you know, we got to pray. And the analogy that popped in her head that, that really made a difference for them was she said, imagine that we had a terminal illness. We went to our doctor, and the doctor said, here is some medicine, and if you take this every day, you'll live. You'll stay alive. But if you skip it, even for one day, you're dead. She said, we would take that medicine. We wouldn't skip a day. We wouldn't go, I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. You would find time to take that medicine. And she said, we're at a point, Tim, this is what she was talking, she's going, we're at a point we will die if we don't have time with God. If what Jesus said is true, that he's the vine, we're the branches, apart from him we can do nothing. If that's true, then every day we don't draw near to God, we're dying. So I hope you'll join me in that. But maybe you reflect this year and... and Ask that question. Did your personal relationship with God grow closer? Here's a third question. Did you notice God's grace in those around you? Did you notice God's grace in those around you? So these first questions sort of have to do with you. They're a bit introspective. This one is sort of going, did you notice God's grace to the people in your life? Not just his grace to them, but his grace in them. The ways they reflect the image of God. The ways that they are demonstrating faith or hope or courage or, or kindness. Did you notice those things? Did you see those things? One of my favorite examples of this is, is the book of 1 Corinthians. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is just lambasting the Corinthians. I mean, he is criticizing them, rebuking them, 
in almost every chapter. They're divisive. They're unholy. One guy is, is sleeping with his stepmom, and they're letting it happen. Um, people are getting drunk at the communion table. They're all out of order in terms of how they're using spiritual gifts. I mean, it's just rebuke, 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 rebuke. rebuke. I can't even say it. It's rebuke. But, but despite that, here's what Paul says at the beginning of his letter in 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, yeah, there's a lot of issues in Corinth, and I'm going to address them, and I'm going to tackle them, but I genuinely, I thank God for you. Right? And, and Paul's writing Scripture here, so he can't be lying. I thank God. I see God's grace in you. I see that your speech and your knowledge reflect that you know Christ. He, his testimony is confirmed in you. I see God at work in you. You had a good year if you noticed the work of God in the people around you. Did you notice? Did you pay attention? One of the questions we ask a lot as a staff is, we'll say, how do you see evidences of grace? How do you see evidence, proof, that God's at work in different things? Another way to ask it would be to say, if you had to prove that God's alive based on the lives of people around you, what would you point to? It's a great question. Because without forcing ourselves to think that way, we just get so tunnel vision. We think about, here's my schedule, my life, and my time and my family, and my plans. Here's what I have to do, and here's how I feel about myself. And all we see are how other people are getting in the way of that. We're irritable, we're anxious, and we're frustrated, and we're angry. But what if we looked for evidences of grace? Even in people that don't know Christ. Right? Jesus said that, he, that God makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? There is common grace in the world that because we're made in the image of God, there are times where we reflect God, even unknowingly, even people that don't know Christ. What if you began to look in your neighbors and in your family that you have troubled relationships with and with people at work and with people just even in your church where you go, how do I see God at work there? How do I notice that? See, I think this is a mark of maturity. Immature people kind of have focus on just what's in front of them, right? The best example of that to me is, is little kids, right? This will happen in our lobby in just a few minutes is some kid will run into you, right? And they're getting a cookie, they're getting a drink, and just whack, they run, right? They run out into traffic. They run across the street. They don't look where they're going. Why? Because they're immature. It's because they're kids, you don't necessarily, you hope for something different, but man, you don't expect it. But as you mature, you begin to see what's around you. You begin to notice things that aren't just yourself. And a, a mark of spiritual maturity, a mark that you're growing, a mark that you grew this year is that you saw grace in other people. Here's the last question Did you grow in gratitude? Did you grow in gratitude? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love that. There are a few places in the Bible where it says, this is the will of God. And I like that, because sometimes people will come to me and they'll go, I just don't know what to do. I wish I knew what God's will for my life was. And usually they mean, should I take this job? Should I move there? Should I marry that person? And, and those, are, those are important questions. But there are a few places where the Bible says, hey, here's God's will. Here's what God wants. Make no mistake about it. And this is one of them. What does it say? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Did you grow in gratitude this year? Thankfulness for God's kindness to you. Thankfulness for the grace that you see in people around you. Thankfulness for the way that God has provided for your needs. Thankfulness for the way God has provided for many of your wants. Thankfulness for how God has been there with you in the midst of suffering and trials. Thankful for the brothers and sisters who make up the body of Christ, the church, who love and encourage and support you. Are you thankful for that? Now listen, I know when we stop to think, and we do it every November, and we think, okay, what am I thankful for? I know we are thankful. The, the thing I've been trying to challenge myself with is to go, start expressing it. So everybody feels thankful if they think about it. But what if we actively thought about it and then told people when we were thankful? Said, hey, when you did that, that gave me, that gave me great encouragement. Thank you. What if you wrote a note? What if you made a phone call? What if you just said, hey, I don't even know if you noticed that you did this, but when you did this, man, I saw God at work. Did you grow in gratitude this year? See, I, I need this because I'm a person that without this has a very kind of grass is greener mentality. Lack contentment. If I just could do that, if I just could go there, if I just could start this, right? I, I have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, and so if I'm not starting something or really fixing something, I feel like bored and I <laughs> get antsy. And uh, what I'm realizing, especially as I get older and in, in leadership, is there's a lot of mundane in life. And there's a lot that isn't new, and there's a lot that isn't glamorous. And you can start to kind of look over the fence and, and get that grass is greener approach. And I have a friend who, who really is like that as well. And I was talking with another friend about, about that friend. And they've had, we've had conversations, all of us, about this. But he and I, we were talking and going, you know, I see that in, in me too. What do you think that is? And this other friend said, I think, I think the reason the grass is always greener for him is because he lacks gratitude. And I went, oh, yeah, that's it. So a big focus has been to try to grow in gratitude. I've seen it in Matthew. Matthew Brazelton has really this year tried to grow in, in gratitude. And I've seen his perspective grow. And I've seen his just appreciation for people grow and his love for people grow. And it's come through, through seeing gratitude play a bigger role in his life. So did Jesus become an even more important treasure to you? Did your personal relationship with God grow closer? Did you notice God's grace in those around you? And did you grow in gratitude? Those are the questions. So how'd you do? All right, some of you, some of you are feeling good now. Right? I actually, I talked to someone after the first service who um, was a dear part of our church and had to move away this past year. And she said, I can answer yes to all four of those questions. But it never would have happened if God hadn't moved me away. 
because I've had to depend on him in ways that I've never had to depend on him before. Now, maybe you didn't have to move away. Maybe something bad didn't have to happen. But, but maybe you look at those and you go, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not perfect, but I, I see, yeah, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm answering yes to a lot of this. Hey, congratulations. That's good. You should be encouraged by that. You should, you should be thankful for that. Right? Give thanks to God. That's, God. that's evidence that God's at work in your life. That's evidence that, that he has good plans for you and he's, he's growing you. That's wonderful. Maybe you'd look at it and you go, yeah, I don't feel so good. This wasn't a good year. Can we go back to that other set of questions? And if that's you, hopefully what this does is provides a little bit of a template maybe of something to think about in this coming year. Some things to prioritize, some things to, to look at. But, but, but here's what I want you to do. If you feel bad, if you go, man, I, I, I'm not sure if Jesus was more of a treasure and my relationship with God feels really cold and, I, yeah, I'm kind of focused on myself and I'm not that thankful. Here's what you need to know. That's sin. It's wrong. And Jesus died for sinners. Remind yourself of that. It's why Paul, back in Philippians 3, which we read, said, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from keeping the rules, right? Your righteousness doesn't come from being able to answer yes to these four questions. Your righteousness comes from Jesus. God's love for you comes from Jesus. And so you go to the the cross and you remember what Jesus has done. And and you repent. You turn from your sin. And you say, God... I haven't been faithful in these areas this year, but I, but I want to be, help me, encourage me, fill me with the spirit of your son Jesus so that I can follow you more faithfully. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this year. Thank you for uh, all that you have done in our lives. And we could go around if we uh, had the memory and the time uh, to be able to reflect on all that you've done, we would be really encouraged. God, you've been faithful even in the midst of pain. I think about Dale and then the things he's learned this year that he would have never learned apart from the pain he's been in. And God, none of us want that. None of us wish for that. But we're thankful that you can redeem even that. God, we pray that this, would be a, uh, this next year would be a, a year where we treasure Jesus. Where we spend time personally close to you. Where we notice the grace in other people, and where we're thankful. God, would you work that in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.